Welcome to the Inclusive Chamber podcast, a new platform from the Cincinnati USA Regional Chamber highlighting best practices in diversity, equity, and inclusion. In each episode, we'll meet leaders who will bring to life our strategic imperative to model inclusion in everything we do. I'm Mary Stagaman, your host for the Inclusive Chamber. Today, we'll be talking about the Over the Rhine International Film Festival. My guests are Jack Geiger, Managing Director of the festival, and Terence T.T. Stern-Enzi, the Artistic Director of the festival. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. So um, I'd like to start by actually getting to know you a little bit better uh, before we get into the film festival in depth. Jack, I know that this was a bit of a career transition for you from what you've done in the past, so I'm curious about what brought you to the film festival. Well, first of all, thank you, Mary, for having us as guests, and we look forward to sharing a little bit of the vision and the activities of the film festival um, with you today. I was engaged with film from from the very beginning when I was a, a young child and, and I've always been a, a writer and a storyteller and so I've been attracted to film. I was never really engaged in film from a festival perspective uh, until we went to Sundance about six years ago. And then uh, I began to see the, the power of the festival, uh, the power of what a festival can do with a community and the ability to to create, you know, dialogue uh, using film and, and stories. So, when uh, when we were there at the festival, decided that well, this is an opportunity perhaps for Cincinnati to really capitalize on the different assets that are in town, and we came back and, and formed a working committee uh, around what it would take to bring a major film festival to Cincinnati, and and that was in 2012 now. So uh, it's been on my on my plate for a while, and mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. the uh, the mission has just grown, and now it's in it's come to fruition. So and that early exciting. conversation was that separate from the, what is now connected to living arrangements for the developmentally disabled? Who's the parent of yes. the festival? Yes, the the initial conversation for me was was whether or not the Cincinnati could handle a, a major film festival, mm-hmm. and then um, a, as fortune would have it, I was introduced to Susan Brown Knight and, and Lad, who's already running an existing successful film festival, and uh, you know we started working in collaboration, uh-huh. and out of that came the OTR. Came where we are today, festival. yeah, yeah, so we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So TT, uh, film criticism, yes. um, you've seen a lot of films in your life, how did you get there and why? Well, the funny thing is the story for me goes back to my senior year in high school. Uh-huh. Uh, I was at the Macaulay School for Boys in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and back in 1986, I went to see Blue Velvet uh, during its opening weekend. And not only did I see it just one time, I saw it four times that opening weekend, and the following Monday went to my English class, first class in the morning. I remember raising my hand and asking if we could talk about this film in the class. That was an AP English class and it just felt like that was the place that I needed to have a conversation about that film because it was a, it was a lot more than just uh, pure escapist entertainment and I needed to, to really get into and dig into it a little bit and fortunately my teacher was willing to let me and a wow. couple of other students dive into it there and so 
1986 is uh, where really this whole journey started for me. And it's been an exciting process since then. I've uh, obviously, I, I went to college. I actually have a business degree from, from Wharton. But while I was there, I studied a filmist text in a number of different classes and didn't exactly know what I wanted to do with that focus. Uh, but I knew that it was just a huge part of my my intellectual life and my journey. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been here in Cincinnati for 20 years now, and I have been writing for City Beat uh, that entire time. Uh, I've also written for Dayton City Paper and uh, and done a bunch of freelance writing for other, other outlets mm -hmm. around the country. Mm -hmm. And film has always been the focus. Mm -hmm. So the transition to the festival seemed like a very natural extension of my own conversation and engagement with film. Because you know what's out there and who's doing great work and all of that. And and it's really about making sure that I can take that knowledge and share that with other people. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, for our listeners, City Beat is a weekly newspaper here in Cincinnati that has a deep arts and cultural section that includes film and film review. So uh, a great resource for our community. So let's talk about the festival. So I remember being introduced to it um, three or four years ago mm -hmm. when it was the Real Abilities Film Festival. I met the the force of nature, I think I would call her, Susan Brown Knight, who mm -hmm. leads living arrangements for the developmentally disabled, um, which we will call LAD for the rest of our conversation because that's what most people call it. And she introduced me not only to their work, but to Real Abilities. And I can remember attending for the first time and really being captivated, not just by the films, but by the energy around that festival and what it meant. Jack, can you tell us a little bit about the history and then we'll move into how we got from Real Abilities to Over the Rhine? Sure. Um, Real Abilities started at JCC Manhattan and, and was moved in the- The host, Jewish Community Center? Jewish Community uh -huh. Center in Manhattan and, and, and was moved to Cincinnati in 2011 where it was hosted by LAD. And, and in 2011, of course, uh, Real Abilities was uh, strictly a disability-centric based film festival and showing what abilities and what, what journeys and, and what celebrations were available and, and were achieved by people with special abilities. And that started in 2011. In 2013 then, um, the headquarters uh, was moved here and, and it was up to LAD then to really duplicate or replicate uh, real abilities, which it did, and Susan did successfully into 15 other cities, which was quite an amazing effort. And so Real Abilities continued to curate all the films in New York and then offer those out to, to various markets. 2015, uh, that expansion you know, continued, and 2018 is when uh, we started, we being uh, myself and some other thought leaders, started working with LAD about uh, other opportunities to expand the, the festival so that more eyes, more ears, more minds and hearts could be available and see the, uh, the stories that were being told. So at that point we decided that we would add four additional content tracks to the disability track, if you will, which are diversity, identity, freedom and faith. So our film festival now are based on five content areas disability, diversity, identity, freedom, and faith. 
Disability still has the lion's share of the through lines to the films. Mm -hmm. of, of over 50% of our films are, are disability-centric. And that's what the stories are, are comprised of for that basis. And I'll tell you the interesting reason why there was a big aha moment, at least for me, which is the one thing that we all share is disability. We're either all um, disabled now or we're temporarily oh, we abled. Right, yeah. So anything um, that can happen to any of us that would put us uh, with that common thread. And now as uh, disability continues to increase, certainly as we live longer, whether it's um, vision, hearing, mobility, mental status, we're, we're now having disability actually grow on both ends of the spectrum. So it's a larger and larger piece. So what we're doing is really building the festival around what we have in common, which then gives us a springboard to talk about diversity, racial issues, gender identification, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, et cetera, et cetera, and sharing what we have in common and using that as, as, as really the unifying thread. Yeah, it occurs to me that another way to say that is that you're capturing all of the ways in which we we sometimes characterize people as other. And, you know, there's a lot of that in, in the water right now. And so it's interesting to me that you are flipping the script on that in terms of embracing that difference rather than exacerbating or, or you know, going against it in some way. I'm curious about... Uh, before we move directly into the festival as it is today, what uh, happened to the 15 other cities that were involved? Well, they're still doing real abilities, as it were, as a disability-only uh, film festival since we wanted to add additional content. And with TT and, and, and many of the uh, talented curators that we have access to, mm -hmm. uh, we decided to go out on our own and curate films from around the world. So that took us a little bit out of the curation piece of, of real abilities, and we started to make a film festival for, for everyone, mm -hmm. um, for the community. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's, that's really, those are, those are, real abilities are still going in the other 15 markets, however, we're uh, curating our own films now. With a bigger idea. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So TT, let's talk about that, about that bigger idea. If you were describing the festival to someone who had no familiarity with it, what would you tell them first? Well, I mean, I would tell them, again, a lot of what you've already heard so far. Again, we have that disability focus, but one of the things that is interesting for me as someone who has covered festivals for the last 10 to 12 years, I've gone out and I've seen how the industry has struggled with the idea of inclusion as a whole. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And especially in the last, really the last five years, we have had a number of studies that have been looking at a variety of issues, whether we're talking about gender and both film and criticism or looking at the LGBTQ community or, you know, as an African-American film critic, I have obviously constantly kind of looked at and struggled over the idea of representation for people of color on screen. And there has been a strong push in the last few years to make sure that those communities are being represented both in the coverage, in the films, and in the festival experience as a whole. But one of the curious things for me is that we have not seen the disability community embraced in the same way in that larger industry conversation. So 
for me, that's, I think that's the challenge that we have as a festival. I want to make sure that not only are we doing that within the confines of our festival and what we're doing here, but I want to make sure that as we're going out and going to other festivals and scouting films and talking to people in the industry, I want us to be leading that conversation and making sure that disability is included in that larger discussion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in ways that, again, like I said, has not really happened yeah, so I, far. Yeah, I guess as I think about the, the conversation that's gone on around the film industry and film and television, actually, over the last couple of years, certainly the emergence of the hashtag MeToo movement and um, issues around women's representation in those industries and people of color. We go back to Oscars So White and that conversation. And, and you're right. I mean, we don't hear the same conversation. I, occasionally, we see examples. I remember there was a lot made this year of the fact that a woman in a wheelchair won a Tony Award. Right. But why is it only today mm-hmm. that that is happening? Uh, we might have to go back as far as children of a lesser God to find a similar moment in, in, in the, on the Broadway stage. So I'm really intrigued by what you say about the integration of people with disabilities into this, and it reminds me of one of the things I learned very early about Real Abilities, which was that these are not just films that feature people with disabilities, these are films by, for, and about. And so we're talking about the integration of professionals at every stage of the process. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. And in in particular, this year, as part of our festival event, we are committed to that idea and making sure that we offer opportunities for people to have the opportunity to come in and get involved in the casting process so that they can end up in the, I guess it's a sort of a database or a pool of, of talent that's out there that can be scouted when people are either coming to our area or if they're looking for actors with disabilities that we would have the opportunity, they would have the opportunity to be scouted and, and brought in for projects. So rather than having a temporary abled actor do the role of someone with a disability, you can actually source the individual who can who has that lived experience. Yes. Right, yeah. right. So, yeah. so what we've, and to your point, uh, the, the statistic is 95% of all roles designed for someone with a, uh, a disability are played by able-bodied actors, mm-hmm. and 95%. So to address that, as TT was was talking about, to address that, we are opening up uh, open auditions for anyone with a disability, done by uh, Lynn Meyer of uh, Casting Society of America. Uh Uh, So Lynn is going to be doing that all day long on Thursday, and and that'll be fantastic as far as opening up the database for CSA, as TT was talking about. The other thing that we're doing for taking action is uh, after 2018, if you recall, there were 81 women on the red carpet, and they represented the 81 films over the history of Cannes that were submitted by women uh, directors. And, and so out of that came a movement called 50-50 by 2020. It's mm-hmm. a gender equality by the year 2020. We signed that as a film festival. There are, there are about 3,500 film festivals worldwide. Less than 1% has signed that pledge. We are one of those 31 film festivals that have signed the pledge, which means we track all of our submissions, both in front of and behind the camera, by gender, by color, by pronoun, and our commitment is to have gender equality by the year 2020, which we're committed to. It's a heavy lift, I think, as you you can see that 
over 99% of the film festivals have not signed it, but uh, we, we are really working to lead the charge. So between those two areas, the film festival that, that we're involved with and that we're creating is one that we feel will help generate action, and, and action is the real key here to go from a bystander to an upstander. Yeah, so it puts a lot of pressure on you to, to find the films, right? And to find the films that are by, for, and about women, right. right? There is a little bit of a challenge in there, but I think that also one of the exciting parts of this whole process is this gives us the opportunity to really get out and forge real relationships with filmmakers, whether we're talking about female filmmakers, filmmakers with disabilities, people of color. This is the, uh, this, and again, as a, as a young growing festival, once we make those contacts and we find those people and we bring them in in the first couple of years, we'll know and we'll have the opportunity to be able to follow them throughout their careers. And hopefully there will be a real sort of reciprocal relationship. They're gonna wanna come back to Cincinnati. They're gonna wanna, they're gonna have a great experience here. They're gonna know that we care about their films and these issues and they're gonna to wanna to come back. And they're gonna, again, end up sharing that information with their colleagues in, in the industry as well. So again, this is a great opportunity. So there's a, there's a bit of a heavy lift, but mm -hmm. there's a, again, I, like I said, I feel like there's a greater, a greater need and desire for us to do this because we can, we can really help push this forward. Well, and I, I would like to believe that um, it's just like when we think about recruiting women into top executive level positions, you know, one of the myths out there is there aren't enough women in the pipeline, which we absolutely refute, as do most of our top companies here. But it occurs to me that you could say the same thing about film, and you could say, well, we could do more, but there aren't enough women in the pipeline. But again, I think that's probably patently untrue. Yes. There are women working in the industry, and as you say, people of color and people with disabilities, we have just not shined the light on them enough. Let's step back for a second. Since, uh, Jack, you brought up Sundance and that being a seminal experience for you, what makes a great film festival? Well, I think it's an experience and, and you know, it goes beyond film. It goes to the community. It goes to how you're involved in it. It goes to the, the energy, the excitement, the desire to learn more, to be able to commune with someone else's experiences and journey and uh, you know, to create the conversation that, that comes out of that. To me, that was the real vibe, that was what's exciting about Sundance, uh, was that it was a place where you know, we, have, we share this, this moment as a community as we watch a film together. But then after we leave that, we're able to talk about it and, and continue to give that story even a broader distribution. What would you say, T.T.? I'm of two minds on this. The film geek in me loves the idea of just being able to go to see four or five movies a day. I'm never going to get past that experience, whether it's as a critic or just as a, a person who loves film. That's, that's, the, that's probably the primary driver for me. But as Jack said, on a secondary level, I think the experience beyond those screenings is, is really key. And I believe that the big part for us that makes that so successful is, is the experience of the city. And I love the idea that, again, we put it out proudly in our name. Uh, we are the OTR International Film Festival. So we're letting people know right away that OTR is a huge, going to be a huge part of that experience that they're going to share here. They're going to come in for films, but they're also going to be walking around this community. They're going to be going to the bars and the restaurants and the different vendors in the city. They're going to be riding the streetcar. They're going to see our city and see the people here 
and have experiences with us. They're going to share their stories. They're going to see our stories and hear our stories. And that is really going to be the, again, like I said, it's, it's, it sounds secondary because again, I've, like I said, I've, I've got the film focus as, as the key here, but I'm, I'm a huge lover and cheerleader for OTR now. So that's, that's again, that's the big piece that I'm, so I'm pushing more. So what happens in between is important as well. So let's talk a little bit more about the festival experience. If I'm coming in from out of town and I know that you'd love to see more and more people make this a destination each year, what's that experience like? Well, it's a, it's a five-day festival, so we generally kind of bookend things in a way. We have sort of a, a smaller opening day. We will have uh, one major opening event and a film in the park. And then on the final day, we will have the sort of a replay of festival prize winners. So those two days, the beginning and the very end, are, are shorter days and shorter experiences. But what happens in the middle, in those three days in the middle, is mm-hmm. the thrill meat of the festival. We will have programming going on through four different venues each day. The idea and the plan at this stage is we will have at least five screening blocks that will take place in each of those venues over the course of those three days. So as you can see, that's going to be a ton of screening opportunities that people will have, and they hopefully will be the opportunity again to kind of bounce around from venue to venue, to capture and to see some different kinds of stories, to try something new, and also... As you're going through those venues from place to place, you're also going to, again, have the opportunity to really experience different parts of OTR and different parts of the city as well. And so we should mention, I think, that Over the Rhine is one of the most historic neighborhoods in in the Cincinnati region, uh, full of 19th century Italianate architecture that over the last number of years has been restored, reclaimed, renovated, renewed, and really given new life to a community that was in need of it. It's also a historically a very important neighborhood for us, and not just because of the architecture, but it's a very interesting place to have a festival. And when you talk about the venues, TT, they're both indoor and outdoor venues, yes? Right, primarily indoor mm-hmm. venues. And again, because of the structure of our city, and especially OTR, we actually don't have that many traditional film screening locations in in OTR. So what we've been able to do is to find and kind of adapt spaces, which is also an exciting part that I've kind of learned as I've gone through the festival circuit. There are a number of cities that are in the same situation that we're in, that they may not have your traditional art house or a multiplex in their their cores, Mm -hmm. but they can find, Mm -hmm. you can convert bars, school auditoriums church halls all sorts of spaces that you can get people into so that they can share these experiences so not to assume too much but it strikes me that that by using those kinds of venues that that may actually be more conducive to the kind of conversation you're trying to start than a classic film experience would right. provide right that's true because again it, there's a certain intimacy that comes up in those spaces that are familiar to people, but not necessarily familiar from a film standpoint. But yes, they get in, they come, and they're going to share that communal experience, and they'll open themselves up in a different way. And again, it also opens the city up in a different way, which is an exciting, like I said, it's an exciting part of the process. And and do you have talkback sessions or other opportunities throughout the weekend so that if people want to engage in formal conversation yes. and dialogue, they can do that? 
We will have either talkbacks or Q&As after every screening event. We will also have a series of workshops that will tackle some larger issues that, that are coming up as part of our themes and, and things that are going on in the industry at Can the moment. Can you give me an example? For instance, and I, this is an easy one for me to bring up because I also handle a lot of the educational programming that we have at the festival or that we do throughout the year. We will be doing a, a workshop this year that will uh, integrate families into this process and this, this experience of talking about what we are seeing on the various screens that we're that we're all and we all have access to. So this experience is going to sort of tailor towards the idea of having parents figure out how to have conversations with their kids about what they're watching, whether they're watching it on their phones, on their computers, on their you know smart devices as a whole. Or if it's just, again, the families going out and going to the theater and watching something together. We need to figure out ways to make that, that process a little more comfortable for families, for parents to be able to talk to their kids about, okay, hey, what are you watching? What, what kinds of stories are out there? Are these really appropriate stories for, for, for us to share as a family? So again, this workshop is going to give us the chance to kind of figure out ways to hopefully allow parents to understand and have some tools so that they can start those conversations and have them and continue them along the way. Because as I mentioned before, for me, you know, the whole process with film started as, again, I was a teenager and naturally even younger than that because I had those same kinds of conversations with my mother about what I was watching. And my mother took me to the movies a lot when I was a kid growing up. So we we already had a built-in understanding and dialogue a shared and, and experience. means of sharing yeah. that experience. Yeah. And not necessarily all parents do today because right. film, unfortunately, because of the idea that we can all have individual access to it, it has broken and segmented that down now so that it is a lot more difficult for parents to keep up you with know, what their kids are watching. That's a really important point. And, and it, it, uh, the image that came into my head is one that always disturbs me a little bit is when I'm on an overseas flight and I'm in, I'm in the back of the plane, and I look ahead, and all I can see are glowing screens, mm -hmm. and they're all different. Mm -hmm. So that shared experience that was so much a part of our coming of age is is not as common anymore, and there's been much written about that, but I think you're really onto something, TT, about the idea of giving parents bridges to, to conversation with their kids because the kids are consuming media that the parent has never seen. And what does that do to what's going on in that child's brain, to their emotional development? That's a really interesting aspect of the so, festival. So what we're doing on that, yeah. Maria, is, is that we're working with middle schoolers on becoming their own film critic, becoming a curator of what they watch. Oh, wow. As parents, as parents are really not in a lot of the selection decisions, just like on your airplane or just like, you know, in real life, uh, parents get kind of taken out of what their children decide to watch because they've taken it on themselves. The parents have either, you know, gone on other things or exhausted or, or they just simply don't know. We're trying to really outfit and educate the student, the child, to be able to say, is this really worth my time and why is that important? Because my time's important. Why is that important? Because I'm important. So it's an empowerment lesson as well as teaching students and kids how to curate what they're watching, how to select really things that are worth their time. And that's what we feel is something that we can really make a big difference in, is trying to get the right things in front of 
students by mm -hmm. self-selection, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. huge. So I could see a pipeline of kids that you've done that with and mm -hmm. wanting to come to the festival too with their families, which leads me to sort of a practical question, is how are you making the festival accessible to people across the income spectrum? So we have, we have a few that are, uh, of screenings that are, are free admission. Mm -hmm. we ha all of our workshops are free admission. Mm -hmm. All the park films uh, on Wednesday Washington night, Park. Washington Park mm -hmm. are, are free as well. So the accessibility aspect of the, of the festival cross income, state, uh, income uh, capacities are really made up of two, a couple different areas. One is all the, all the workshops that we're doing are free. Um, the films that are in Washington Park are free of charge as well. We have screenings that are also, some are no charge, all of which are only $10. And so we're, we're trying to reach out to as many of the community as we possibly can during the festival. There's also uh, this capacity of being able to bring out the films afterwards and taking the films out to the community for screenings beyond the festival. So. We have uh, the film festival that is showing. We've got 9,000 seats total. And a lot of that is, as TT was talking about, it's because of the constraining of the screens that we have in the, in the urban core. And this constraining of the screens as it relates to being universally accessible, not simply ADA compliant. But we're, we're captioning every film, we're audio describing every film, and every venue needs to be universally accessible. So that takes us into a variety of venues and we'll also then say, okay, well, if we're truly in, a, in an inclusion, an inclusive uh, festival, what about kids that are in hospitals or what about prisons or what about nursing homes and mm -hmm. can mm -hmm. we take the can festival take to them, them yeah. as well? And so we're looking at all those things as far as taking the festival beyond the five days that we have in October. And you told me you're doing a lot of programming. You really are becoming a year-round operation, correct? Yes, we're looking at what is film. What is a film platform really? And and as we look at what our ecosystem is, where do we play? Well, we play in the screening of films. We play in the screening of stories, the sharing of stories, and the communications and and discussions afterwards. So that's our area in in the film assets within Cincinnati. And so we intend to not only show them during the festival, but also throughout the year to also use those in the educational components that TT talked about and, and take them out and, and use have, create a lending library so communities and churches and agencies can also use them, et cetera, et cetera. So we're really building a film platform, what we're calling a film institute, that will overlay all these different components. And I assume would have discussion guides and other tools that, that educators or pastors or whoever is hosting the film could use to foster dialogue? Yes, that, that is a, a key to it because especially with the educational programming, that started as part of a project that I had been working on. Mm -hmm. And as a film critic, I can go into a classroom and have a very different kind of conversation with students about film because I have... 20 plus years of experience writing, watching, seeing all, all, all of the film that has been out there over that time frame. And obviously teachers or other facilitators might not necessarily have that kind of experience with film, but we have figured out a way through the curriculum to be able to sort of pare things down for them, to make it accessible for someone, again, who doesn't have that experience, but they can 
they can have access to the films that we can give them and the programming there, and they will have the guide to understand when talking about these films, here are some of the questions and ideas we need to think about, here are some of the topics we may want to cover, and then, of course, they can apply their own personal spins to it as well from that point. But again, you needed to, you needed to have that because otherwise it would be very difficult for the average person to come into that conversation and, and assume or try to, to figure out the kind of the level of experience that a film critic would have. Right. And, and I assume that a lot of that aligns with what the festival is fundamentally about, too, about diversity and identity and faith and freedom and disability and so on. Jack, you said something interesting, and I'm just curious because it, it, I thought, wow, I wonder if that's a differentiator for us. Uh, how many film festivals in the rest of the country have audio description and some of the other tools available for people with disabilities that you described? It's a great question. Many of them don't. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how many do, but I can tell you from an audio description standpoint, it's, it's, uh, it's costly. Mm -hmm. it, it's, a, it's a major lift. From a universal accessibility of the venue, mm -hmm. um, that's all. Which is particularly challenging in this historic neighborhood, right? Correct. Yeah, and, and that's that's one of the reasons that we broadened the area. We've also expanded expanded into Northern Kentucky, and we'll have a full day of programming in, in Northern Kentucky as well. So we're creating more of a regional feel for the festival, uh, more of an outreach. We're having a thousand students at the Freedom Center, at Underground Railroad Freedom Center. Uh, for for a field trip and talking about this whole curation and, and how do we deal with un, uh, implicit biases and, and those types of things in film and, and how do we share that and then also how do we write about it. TT is extremely great about showing uh, students how to write about it. So we'll have a thousand students in, no charge, for uh, a field trip into the Freedom Center to, to share that experience. And we're really trying to reach out to do those types of things. Accessibility standpoint, at the Freedom Center, we're also having on Thursday night, or Friday night, we're having a film called Free to Rock, which is about how rock music brought down the Berlin Wall. This is the 30th anniversary of the Berlin Wall coming down. And, and so this is a fun film talking about all the bands. It took 10 years to make the film. All the bands that played behind, behind the wall and behind the Iron Curtain and, and helped to bring down the wall and, and so this is a powerful night, a powerful film, and it's also a, a great patriotic film. So that's exciting. Yeah, it sounds great. So I, I think about the evolution of our film commission here over the last decade or so. Uh, I think when they were formed, a lot of people were skeptical about whether Cincinnati could be a place where films got made. And of course, now we have a lot of major feature films under our belt and a reputation of being one of the best places in the mm -hmm. country, if not around the globe, to, mm -hmm. to make a film. So if I'm outside of Cincinnati, what is it about Cincinnati that makes it ideal for the Over the Rhine International Film Festival? Is there something here that makes us uniquely suited to host and build this festival? Well, I think, and TT, you can weigh in as well, I, you know, Cincinnati is a melting pot where this is a city that's been made up of, of, of immigrants and, and that's what we are today. We are working to become more inclusive, more welcoming, and generally to build on the feeling that we want to talk to each other. Sometimes we just don't know how. And so Cincinnati is a unique climate for that. 
Uh, you know, we're Midwestern. We like to, to, to talk to each other. And so Cincinnati, I think, is, is a terrific melting pot for us to be able to do something truly unique, which this festival is, from its basis in, in, in disability and the expansion into the various contents uh, that we have that are difficult and, and challenging conversations. And, and so to be able to do that here in, in um, a very progressive area now with all the startups that we're doing, with all the films that are being made here, Film Cincinnati and Kristen Slotman has brought in. So I think it's just, it's a terrific opportunity for us to really capitalize on how, how do we show where we are, where we're growing, and, and how we as a community like to speak together. I think that also leads into this idea of sort of the, the past and either the present and the future as well, because what we've seen on film is that Cincinnati can stand in for older cities uh -huh. because of the architecture right. and, and the structure of our city and the way that, that it's laid out. So people see that and that has been shown on film, but then we also have these really great contemporary stories that are being set here in the city. And if you want to move beyond that film production to the actual idea of, again, us being a, a, a venue for a festival, people get to come in and they will experience both the history of Cincinnati through our festival and through the interactions here in the city, but they're also going to see a city that is growing and changing and doing some really phenomenal things. So there's, I think there, there is the, the kind of switch that we'll see that people will be able to go from what they've seen on the, scr on the screen to understanding and appreciating what the city is doing and where it's going. And hopefully, they'll be a part of that conversation and they'll want to come back and continue watching this evolution as it takes place. Yeah, I think this potential for dialogue is so important because, T.T., you and I have talked before about, Jack, you mentioned all the reasons why Cincinnati is on the rise and what the momentum we have here. And, T.T., uh, you and I have had a clear, uh, honest, candid conversation about some of the challenges that we still have, especially across race. And so what you're doing with the festival to bring people together across all kinds of divides and to foster dialogue, it, it won't solve all of, of the challenges that we have or other cities have, but is, it, is part of the solution, I think. Mm -hmm. do, you see, do you feel that same way? I do still feel that way. Mm -hmm. And, again, I... I feel in some ways I've had to embrace that challenge even more because I think since the last time we had a conversation, mm -hmm. I have now moved down to OTR in the OTR Pendleton area. And I take it as a, a real responsibility with being, in the, being a part of this community that I want to make sure that I'm involved in, again, making our festival accessible to people across all spectrums. And also just not the festival itself, but all of these experiences. I want to make sure that they're going to be students and children from the entire OTR community that will have access to, you know, ongoing educational programming that we have that will be accessible to them in the same way that, again, I wish that this program had been accessible to me however many years ago we want to go back yeah. when I was yeah. first kind of getting excited and inspired by film. Um, I do. I take that as a real sort of badge of honor and a real, and real personal challenge to say, well, if I'm going to be here, I've got to figure out how to make a difference. 
Right. Yeah, making sure that the folks who've historically lifted up that neighborhood have the same opportunities as newcomers or folks visiting from out of town. It reminds me of what we're, what we're doing here at the Chamber with Blink. Uh, we're illuminating all of downtown and over the Rhine and parts of northern Kentucky about a week after your festival this year, and that event is open to all. And I think it's really important because it brought people together for a shared experience, one of those things we don't get to have often enough, and that's exactly what you're doing as well. I wanna thank my guests today, Jack Geiger, Managing Director, and Terrence T.T. Stern-Enzi, Artistic Director of the Over the Rhine International Film Festival, which this year will be from October 2nd through the 6th in locations in our historic Over the Rhine neighborhood and beyond. This has been another episode of the Inclusive Chamber podcast. For all of our episodes, please visit CincinnatiChamber.com.